Hello, and welcome to Enroute, the podcast where we talk about life along the way. I'm Dennis Sanders, and I'm your host. Make sure to visit our website, which is at enroutepodcast.org. And where you're there, you can subscribe to the show on various platforms, such as Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or RSS. Subscribing is a good idea because then you won't ever miss a show. And if you can do a solid for me, please consider uh, uh, writing out a rating, um, a review, I should say, or leaving a rating on whatever platform you listen to this to, um, whether it is Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. um, When you leave those um, reviews, that makes it easier for other people to find the show. And I also hope that if you, um, when you listen to this show, uh, share it with someone that you might know. That, that can help me out as well. Well, at some point I will be doing some, I'm hoping to be doing some interviewing on the, the following topic. And I'm a little hesitant on sharing it. Um, just because I don't know how it will be um, received by people. And um, it's a topic that I think, it's one that it's historical. I, I am someone that is fascinated by history. And this particular part of history, I'm, I'm fascinated in talking about. But um, it just seems these days to be so fraught that, you know, I've actually written about it, and I think that it's gone over okay, but I'm still a little bit nervous even sharing it. But um, one of the things that I find of history that I find most interesting um, is the Civil War. Civil War has always been a fascinating uh, part of American history. It's defined us in so many different ways. Obviously, as an African-American, it's changed my life. And so I've always had an interest in it. And it's been interesting to see how things and how people have viewed the war has changed. Um, Very much so in my own recent history. But if you went back over the last century how we view the war um, has changed dramatically. The example that I always like to bring up about how things have changed is because of something that I remember watching when I was growing up in the late 70s and early 80s. It was a television show. This television show that you probably saw, if you are of, of age, you saw it too. And that was The Dukes of Hazard. Deuce of Hazard was a popular TV show. It ran for seven seasons on um, CBS from 1979 to 1985. It was a show I remember on Friday nights coming in and sitting down and watching it, and I loved it. I also think it's a show that could not be made today. You know, we know all the characters, the two cousins, Bo and Luke Duke, and Uncle Jesse, Cousin Daisy, they were all reformed moonshiners. They're trying to 
outfoxed the sheriff and the corrupt county executive. That's not the reason that the show couldn't be made. The reason the show could not be made now is because of all the references to the Confederacy. Bowen Luke Duke, and, and I have to actually add that this was also a show where it featured lots of cars, and being a car guy, I loved seeing this. And Bowen Luke drove an orange 1969 Dodge Charger. And on the roof was the Confederate flag, and the name of the car was the General Lee, after Robert E. Lee. Whenever they would, you know, jump over, whatever they were jumping over, they would hit the horn. The horn sounded the opening notes from Dixie. And then there was, again, that, that uh, county executive, Boss Hogg. And his full name was Jefferson Davis Hogg, after the Confederate president. As I said, it was an enjoyable show. And I, I'm pretty sure I was not the only African-American kid that liked to watch that show. And the thing is, is that you didn't really think about all of that. I mean, you didn't think about, at least I didn't think about the Confederate flag or Robert E. Lee or anything about that. All I show was this cool show and these guys trying to outfox um, the not-so-bright sheriff and the not-so-bright county executive in Hazard County. Well, like I said, I don't think we could make that show anymore. And it's funny because there are a lot of things that we couldn't make, it, which was interesting because throughout the 1980s, too, there were at least two or three different miniseries that focused on the Civil War. And like a lot of them, they were kind of soap opery, like, you know, North, the North and the South, and the Blue and the Gray they were weaving in history, but it was also a soap opera. I mean, people loved it, and it you know ate it up like crazy. But again, the way that the South was portrayed wasn't necessarily sympathetic, but it wasn't how we look at it today. And so it was a very different way of looking at it, or at least from now. The other thing that was fascinating, like I said, as a kid, I would learn about the history and I would know about all the different battlefields, whether it was Chancellorsville or um, Antietam, Gettysburg. All of these were just fascinating. And, you know, I, I wanted to know more about the history and know more about the differences between the North and the South and how the South was more agrarian as opposed to the North that was more industrial, you know, in many ways the North had more people than the South, in many ways, you know, all of that thing fascinates me about that history. And maybe that's why in a, I, was, I was also interested in, of course, the Ken Burns documentary, The Civil War, which came out in 1990. And that documentary, I mean, broke new ground in, in the making of documentaries. Um, Ken Burns, he, he did something, I don't know what it, what it was about that, but it was, he was able to tell this story in a way that was 
interesting, it was enlightening, and entertaining. Um, he had everyone on that show um, to, uh, to interview. Um, he interviewed Barbara Fields, who is a well-known African-American historian. Um, and he also interviewed Shelby Foote, who was a novelist and historian. He shared a lot of the historical perspective from a Confederate standpoint. That show was a hit. Um, 14 million people watched it. It was one of the most watched programs on PBS. Um, and for many years, it was considered a beloved series. It was such a an endearing series. Um, it, um, Ashokan Farewell, the, the song that you would hear throughout the, 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 the series has kind of become a cultural touchstone. Um, as are, you know, everyone trying to make fake letters of that you are writing to people, uh, you know, my dearest Cordelia or something. Um, but what was interesting about that documentary is that in some ways there was a lack of an agenda. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't talk about the fact about what the war was about, which was slavery. But he talked about these people as people. It didn't matter whether they were North or South, whether they were um, Confederate or Union. He was interested in the stories of all of these people, um, famous people and not-so-famous people. And it's fascinating. It was a fascinating series, but... I think as of late, it has not been as uh, well-loved. And that's because I think critics are now believe that Burns was too merciful on the South. Um, which, and that was, of course, as I said, was personified by Shelby Foote. Many people believe Foote was too sympathetic to the South. And in some ways, he may have, may have been. I would not be surprised, and there are some things that I've read that he was probably more sympathetic. Um, but there was something about it that you could learn the history. It wasn't trying to hit you over the head with an agenda. It was trying to present the history and for you to, to learn from that. The way that now, uh, the Civil War, Ken Burns' Civil War, has the viewpoint in some ways has changed. Something has happened in the intervening 30 years from when I was wa a kid watching, or 40 years, I should say, when I was a kid watching The Dukes of Hazzard to now. Um, the Civil War, in many ways, was history. And it was important. It was, it was history that we all needed to know, but it was history. I think that in many cases, African-Americans obviously were well aware of the role of slavery. And we knew what the Civil War was fought about. But even Philly Fields among African-Americans, this was history. We weren't simply defined by this past because... We were no longer slaves. That's who we were, but we weren't that anymore. 
And even into the 90s and maybe into the early aughts, how we even saw the Confederate flag has changed. Um, not that there were always always people who I think saw it as a symbol of of hate or of racism, but it had a very different view. I, I've always wanted to say that it was an ambiguous view. Um, in fact, in some cases, it was used ironically. There was an old there was a a clothing company I think from the nineties or early aughts that was called New South clothing company. And it used the Confederate flag, but it was in a different way. It was used in the Pan-African colors. So you had, basically it was a way of taking this um, symbol and remixing it. Um, you know, kind of reusing it in a different way. Um, and there was a bit of an irony in there, but there was also a sense of kind of taking something and making it their own, a kind of a statement in some way. All of that has changed. Like I said, I don't think that today you would ever see a New South clothing company doing what they did 20 years ago. We have a very different view of the Civil War. And I should add that how we look at the Civil War has changed more than once. There were periods when people fell in love with the antebellum South. Um, obviously, there were you know things like "Gone with the Wind" uh, were very much seeing the war from a Southern viewpoint in a very sympathetic way. And then there were periods where it was this type of history um, where it didn't necessarily have a an. A, agenda either way. It was just simply history. And I think I remember in the 90s, the big thing that people loved to do were Civil War reenactments. So they would dress up in either Union or Confederate uniforms and go and um, uh, actually have kind of fake battles and sometimes even go all out. They would even stay in tents and all of that stuff. That was how we looked at the war. And now we are in the midst of a new narrative. Okay, thankfully we are not in an era where we are longing for Dixie. You know, there is no Gone with the Wind or Birth of a Nation or thank God that's all gone. But we're also not in the, the era where it's kind of I don't want to say neutral, but seeing it as a historical event and kind of just seeing it as that, that's not where we're at either. We're in a far more, the narrative that we have now is, is more serious. We don't have any more that innocent display of the Confederate flag. You don't see the Confederate flag in, in immediate and not think that the person who is flying it has a problem with race. We no longer have this kind of ironic display of the stars and bars. 
And what's even interesting is that we don't even almost talk about the war as a war between fellow Americans, which is in many ways what it was. And what it has, this new narrative has risen, and it, what it's all about is the central focus is on the institution of slavery. This is, in some reason, maybe not surprising, because that's, you know, we've done that with the 1619 Project, which very much tries to center um, slavery in the American um, history. And we have also, where maybe 20, 30 years ago, the South was looked at more in a historical framework it's now, we have a more antagonistic viewpoint of the South. Whereas many years ago, we would have talked about the fact that these were people who were from different sides and both Americans. We tend to now view anyone who fought on the Confederacy as white supremacist or a traitor. And my theory about this is that what's happening is that, and what has, I think has happened since the end of the Civil War, is that we have, as a nation, how we have looked on the war is kind of where we are, what we are feeling at that time. So there are two themes, and in some ways are always in tension. One of them is reconciliation. And then the other one is justice. The reconciliation piece is how the North and South were going to try to get along after the war. Now, we had this country that was split apart for four years. How do we put it back together? How do we try to get past the, the, the bitterness and move forward as a unified nation? Justice, of course, focuses on African Americans being freed from slavery. Now, as I said, these concepts usually should be held in tension, with neither of them necessarily gaining the upper hand over the other. But the reality is, of course, is that our society has swung from reconciliation to justice. And we are definitely have swung over to the justice phase right now. And those that, that's why we have this fixation on um, slavery. And it's why we, whereas maybe 20 years ago we would not consider this, but now we see Confederate soldiers from generals all the way down to foot soldiers as racist traitors. And probably the biggest example of that is Robert E. Lee himself. He is an interesting figure, and I think he's someone I want to learn a little bit more about. Um, I remember learning a little bit about his history and, and learning, really, that Arlington, where Arlington National Cemetery is now, was actually his, his estate, his home. Um, it was one that was taken over by the government after he made the decision to turn down... Um, Lincoln's request to serve on the Union side, 
and to for him to serve in the Confederacy. And he left his estate in Arlington, as they say, never to return. Now, the interesting thing about Lee is that he has been seen in many ways as a man of honor throughout history. Um, there have been, um, I think, people kind of like um, Theodore Roosevelt and um, Dwight Eisenhower who said very positive things about him. And um, President Gerald Ford actually granted Lee full citizenship and a pardon, um, which is an interesting story because he was supposed to have received a pardon at the end of the war. It somehow, I think, got lost, and so he never did get that. Um, but he did get it from President Ford, um, I believe, in the mid-'70s. Now, that viewpoint is no longer in favor. Um, he is not looked on as a hero, but as a traitor. Um, now, I don't think necessarily that, I, well, I don't think that Lee was a hero. I don't know if I would go as far as to say he's a traitor. I think he's a far more complex figure than we think. But that is a changing view of how we look at him. And like I said about the Confederate flag, you have to remember it was not that long ago that we saw the flag, Confederate flag everywhere. And I even remember a story of an African-American, maybe at Harvard or somewhere, that put it in his his room to fly, and it was kind of considered freedom of speech issue. And I'm not here trying to say, yes, you should go, it's, you know, a symbol of heritage or whatever, but what I am saying is that the use of the flag was, was varied. Um, that's why I was saying that it was considered, at least by some people, an ambiguous symbol. I think maybe one of the things that changed that was um, Dylan Roof. He was the uh, man who murdered uh, the nine members of Mother Emanuel Church, um, Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina in 2015. One of the pictures that he that came out was him holding a Confederate flag. And I think right then and there, that pretty much turned stars and bars basically into the Nazi flag, at least for many people. And that's a change, because if you remember and go back to 2004, it wasn't that long ago that um, Howard Dean, who was the, um, in some ways for a while, short while there, the front runner for the Democratic nomination in 2004, said that he wanted to um, reach out to everyone, including those guys on the pickup, uh, who had the Confederate flag on the pickup truck. You could not say that today. There's no way you could say that today. Now, with all of this, 
I think it's important that there is there are good reasons to reassess the Civil War. You know, some of the the past history was incredibly too romantic. Um, it was too sympathetic in many ways to the South. Um, in many ways, probably reinforced racial attitudes against African Americans. So, I'm all for, obviously, for obvious reasons, a, a view of the war that is less romantic and focused more on the role of slavery. But there are so many different, also there's so many different themes in the war. Um, we've lost a lot of those things that I think were important to look at about the war. Um, in that we've kind of made it, we focus so much on the justice part that we are not focusing really on um, the reconciliation part. Which then makes me wonder if some of what's happening isn't as much a talk about the war itself, the Civil War, as it is as talking about us now. Politically, we are a more polarized society than we have ever been. And if you, I look back at the late 70s, early 80s, when I was watching The Deuce of Hazard, you look back into the 90s when you had shows like um, the, um, the Civil War documentary or... Um, um, reenact, uh, Civil War reenactments, we were less polarized. It, I don't think that it is an accident that as the way that we have changed things, or as the way that um, the narrative has changed, seems to be happening at the same time that we've grown more polarized um, with left and right um, some would say because of like the blue and red states, in that the red states in many ways almost to OT line up with the old Confederacy. And I think that there is something to that. And I de- none of that is to mean that we shouldn't take some of the criticism that things that we looked sometimes at the Civil War too glossy in the past. But I also think that we need to look at how our current history, our current, the current issues that we're facing, the, the extreme polarization, may be also affecting how we view this war. I'm trying to... The war is always in this interesting thing, and in some ways, we are dealing with a cultural war that a cultural war that is being fed into our civil war. How do we? Is there a way for us to look at this important aspect of history in a way that is unifying? And also honest to talk about slavery, to talk about how that still can affect us a century later. 
but also talk about it in a way that is less divisive, that it, that it is trying to bring people together instead of kind of separate us, if any of that makes any sense. There is an old statement that there is an, I should say, there, there is this story that I have heard about. Uh, Peggy Noonan has shared it about two men, uh, Lowe Armistead and Wynne Hancock. They were friends that served on opposite sides of the war. And it was, it's an interesting tale. There is actually also a book about it that I think goes beyond how it's been depicted in movies. Um, but there is something about that that reminds us that even though there was this war, even though it was a war over a, a fraught and I think an important issue, there were also relationships that were sundered and, and relationships that had to be put back together when the war ended. And it's a reminder, at least for me, that we have to find the middle, that we have to find a way of honoring the importance of the role of slavery, how it still affects us, especially African Americans, a century and a half later, but also find a way in tension to understand that this was a war between Americans. And yes, the South was not necessarily honorable. Lee was not necessarily a hero. But I see him as more of a tragic figure than some kind of evil genius. And maybe there needs to be a way that we see our enemies in a more human way. Because, I, again, I don't think that it's, a, it's not a coincidence that how we look at each other when it deals with the Civil War is also flowing into how we look when we see people from differing ideological stands. I will continue to love history, and I will continue to love Civil War history. History is always fascinating. And the funny thing about history is that it's not neat. And even with this narr the changing narrative, we have a more different view of the South, it's still not as clean-cut as we may want to think it is. And maybe that's also what makes history fascinating, is that it isn't always so neat. That it leaves us sometimes with questions. That it leaves us at times maybe understanding, or at least trying to look at the other side of an argument or a viewpoint, even when we profoundly disagree. I hope that we can find a way to hold those two viewpoints of how we see the Civil War, justice and reconciliation, and tension. 
Because if we can learn how to do that, maybe we can learn how to continue as a nation. Many people today talk about and worry about whether we are headed towards a civil war. I don't think we are, but I think as David French wrote in his most recent book, it is not out of it is not crazy to think that there could be at some point some type of secession where different parts of the country go their own ways, where the United States is fractured. How do we learn to live justly and also learn to reconcile? That was the question that I think we were trying to answer as a nation 150 years ago. And we haven't always gotten it right. I hope that in our own time, we can learn how to balance these two concepts because we need both. But we need them to be intention, to be balanced for the health and for the future of our nation. Well, hopefully I didn't put too many people on a to come after me or to start thinking I'm a weird person by sharing my viewpoints on the Civil War. Um, it's just something I've written um, just because it's an issue that has always fascinated me. I noticed that I did not get to talking about monuments because I think the monument issue is what's going on with that is deeper is, is kind of what I've all talked about. It's there's a, a more of an issue um, going on than just about the monuments, or at least the monuments are, are the way that we're, we're seeing um, this issue come to light. Um, so it's kind of a, it's, it kind of makes more sense to talk about kind of the deeper issues than just to, you know, talk again about um, what monuments should be removed or not removed. But um, if you have any uh, comments or anything, leave them in the or leave them when you do the review, or send me an email. My email is in the show notes, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd like to hear your viewpoints. Before I go, I want to end this episode of the podcast. Um, by talking about and um, maybe offering a tribute to a fellow blogger who um, passed away, I believe today, maybe a few days ago, and that was um, uh, Doug Maticonis. He was kind of one of the old, I guess, OG bloggers, one of the original bloggers, um, from the late aughts all the way throughout the teens. Um, he blogged, I think, uh, James Joyner, 
has said on his, on the Outside the Beltway blog, he, um, Doug posted in 10 years um, on that blog, Sanders, the host. Take care and Godspeed.